1 Corinthians 12 is going to be our passage of Scripture this morning, and as you're gathering and, open, and opening up your Bibles, um, I just want to remark that our church is going to be having its 15-year anniversary celebration coming up on November 13th, and so we're really looking forward to that, and uh, we're going to have just lunch afterward, it'll be, you know, bring your own lunch, um, but we're also going to have cake, uh, one of the... A uh, young man in our church, uh, Joey Herbert, is going to make a 15-year anniversary cake. He's gifted to make cakes. We're excited about him doing that. And um, just looking forward to celebrating the grace of God in our midst and the faithfulness of God with you, church. So if you can make note of that, that'll be on November 13th coming up. Excited, excited, excited about that. How good God has been to us. Well, we've been in the midst of a series entitled Together. And the title of the message this morning is Belonging Together. Belonging Together. If you could read with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read God's word together. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, through though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Isn't that beautiful? If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think 
less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Belonging together. Let's pray. Lord, as we turn our attention to your holy word and and the preaching of it, I pray, Holy Spirit, for your presence to come and that you would illuminate the truth to our hearts and cause us to grow stronger in our faith, stronger in our love for Jesus Christ, and Lord, stronger in our love and our commitment to one another. I pray that we would really, coming away from this time, have even a greater vision than we already have for how beautiful it is that you have called us together to be the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that our love for the church, which is deepened as a result of us being gathered here and hearing your word this morning, that you would galvanize our unity together in greater and greater measure, and that we would celebrate, Lord God, that each individual part is different than the other, and how glorious it is that you've gathered all of us together exactly as you chose I pray that we would celebrate that and we would just worship you even as we prepare our hearts for communion at the end of the service. Jesus, we're so grateful for you. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And we worship you for baptizing us in you and calling us to yourself. We are so grateful for all that you've done and opening up our eyes to believe in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The the first point we're going to look at here is called diverse unity. Diverse unity. And just by way of background here with the Corinthian church, what you had in a nutshell, just to understand a little of what's going on here, dropping into chapter 12 in terms of the entire book, the Corinthian Christians had a little bit of a superiority attitude um, towards other people in the body. There were some Christians in the Corinthian church who, because they... Uh, had certain spiritual gifts, namely the gift of tongues. They kind of looked at themselves as sort of the the, the super spiritual ones, and or the the Greek word for it is the pneumatikoi, or the spiritual ones. And they kind of valued one spiritual gift over another. And so their attitude was one of "I'm superior to you." And this mentality was starting to create division in the church. And so the apostle Paul is gathering them together, and he's just trying to help them here in this chapter to understand that. There is one body and there are many different gifts, many different parts at work. And 
and, and each one interdependent upon the other. And so to, to be superior minded about who you are as a person or who, how God has gifted you is, is against the spirit of Christ. And we should not walk in that type of attitude. There was division in the church over gifts, but there was also division in the church over uh, race. We see here the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, just talking about, hey, we have all been baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks. This was another dividing line. There was separation of those who were ethnically different within the church. And so there were there was sort of a, a Jewish divide and a Greek divide. And, and the Apostle Paul's talking about, hey, listen, no, listen, we've all been baptized by the same Spirit into one body. And so we need to come together around Christ in the Spirit and to gather together and have our fellowship be around Jesus Christ and to celebrate that we've all been baptized in the same Spirit Together, It was also social status, most likely socioeconomical division here, speaking of slaves or free. This again was another dividing line in this culture at this time where people judged one another based off of how rich or how poor they were. And this goes on today as well. Something that these issues here between Jew and Greek, we might not feel that as strongly in this particular context, but you see divisions within the church over ethnic divide today. You see a difference between black and white and and uh, black and Hispanic and, and white and Hispanic. And there's separation because individuals see someone who's different from them and they start to distance themselves. Or they see someone, if they're rich, who's poor and they distance themselves. Or the poor see somebody who they perceive as rich and they distance themselves. And the Apostle Paul's here saying, listen, no, we have got to gather together and come together as the church. And this is that first point here, diverse unity. Diverse Unity. I think one of the main points here in this section is there's a tendency to judge other people rather than to accept people. All kinds of judgments being made by all of us all the time based off of outward appearance rather than looking at the heart. We know that God's Word talks about that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The Apostle Paul is going after this in the Spirit, saying, no, listen, we've got to look upon things from the the level of the heart, and we've got to be different from the ways of the world. We've got to come out from them and be separate, and, and we are one body in Christ, and stop judging by mere outward appearances. Stop showing, you see in the book of James, partiality, James says, in the Jerusalem church based off of, man, this guy's important or this woman's important. Let's seat them up front. But those who are not as important in our eyes, let's seat them to the back. That type of thing, sadly, was even happening in the early church. And it's something that has to stop. It's something of a counterculture that we need to build together where we come together and we rally around Jesus Christ and Him crucified, risen from the dead, our mutual faith in Him, and the fact that we all collectively those who are believers here we have it we've all been as paul says here in verse 13 for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body we've all who are true believers in this room those who've repented of their sins and trusted in jesus christ as their lord and savior you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You have been baptized into the same Spirit. You've been born again to a living hope, just as every other Christian on the face of the planet and every other Christian throughout church history has been saved. You have been baptized 
by the Holy Spirit into one body of Jesus Christ. So we're all coming equal before the foot of the cross. We're all equally in need of salvation and redemption, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your socioeconomic background, regardless of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to you. The Apostle Paul is really burdened here that the church is one in Jesus Christ. We are one body with many different parts, which Jesus Christ is the head. And essentially, he is appealing here to the Corinthian church. And you see this because of the flow into chapter 13, where he's saying, hey, listen, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Love. Come together. Love one another. Stop judging one another. Accept one another. Embrace one another. Welcome one another. And brothers and sisters in Christ Community Church, I believe God desires for us to be this kind of church body. In a culture where all of these dividing lines are so readily apparent, the Lord desires for us, as I mentioned a moment ago, to be a counterculture. And even sadly, sometimes even within the church, you see, rather than Christians gathering around the gospel of Jesus Christ, you see Christians separating themselves off into comfort zones of where they feel most comfortable ethnically, or where they feel most comfortable in relation to socioeconomic background. And these things really need to change. The church all comes together. Having been baptized in the same spirit. All coming before the foot of the cross. United. United in our need for a savior. And united in the same savior through faith. By the power of the Holy Spirit through faith. Brothers and sisters, may we celebrate the wonderful, diverse unity of the body of Christ. The Corinthians were longing for a uniform uniformity in relation to spiritual gifts. They were saying, listen, unless you speak in tongues, you're not as spiritual as I am. Unless you have these higher up spiritual gifts... You're, you're not one of the spiritual ones. And so you're sort of a lesser class Christian. And sadly, that same kind of mentality can exist today. We must not take pride in our spiritual gifts. We must realize that our spiritual gifts are just that. They are gifts from the Holy Spirit. They are not out from ourselves. They are a gift from God. If One of us has a gift that really causes us to be a blessing to others in that particular way. We must, at the end of the day, say, God, thank you so much for the gift that you've given me here, because this is from you. This is not my own doing. My salvation is not my own doing, and my gifts that you have given to me are not my own doing. And when somebody encourages you, you say, thank you, that really encouraged me. But then in private... We want to always say, God, thank you. Because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even be saved. (laughs) And if it wasn't for you, Holy Spirit, I would have no gifts to talk of. If somebody was blessed, all the praise goes right to you. Amen.
That's the way it's supposed to be in the church, to where we're not judging one another or kind of developing this pecking order and sort of looking at things as, okay, these are the people that are high, these are the higher ups in the church and I'm going to galvanize around that or, or these are the ones that I don't have time for. All that's got to stop. It's, it's a mentality of I, I have just as much time for somebody who has the, 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 the greatest riches and I have the greatest amount of time as well for somebody who is the most poor. I have, just as much love in my heart for somebody who is white as I do for somebody who's black I, or somebody who's Hispanic. I, I don't judge any longer based off of the distinctions. Now, we want to celebrate the distinctions. Uh, it was wonderful this past week in our elders meeting. We were talking about this, and Ben brought up a great point that, you know, it, it's, it can actually be offensive for somebody who's black to hear from a white person, um, I don't see color. God made them black. You want to celebrate the fact that they're black or someone who's Hispanic. You want to celebrate that God made different shades of skin. I mean, how awesome of God to develop different shades of skin and different ethnicities and different cultures all coming together under the one banner of Jesus Christ, all saved by the same spirit, gathered together. I mean, heaven's going to be awesome. And we want to kind of start the party now. That's sort of the focus here in 1 Corinthians 12, the things that divide us and the things that separate us, the mindsets that we can still slip into that are old mindsets that cause us to keep our distance from some, but sort of really welcome others. Those who are most like us, we gather around and we try to kind of gather real closely and gather them all around us and develop a nice, comfortable little circle of fellowship. And that's just who we can be by nature. The Apostle Paul say No. We have all been baptized in the same Spirit. We've been saved by the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Christ. And we want to come together. And we want to celebrate. We want to enjoy. We want to welcome. We want to accept. Those of you who are newer, we want you to feel accepted here. We want you to feel welcomed here. Those of you who are newer, it, it can be hard coming into a new church because there's already already previously established friendships. And at times when you're newer, you can feel a little on the outside looking in and wondering, do I have a place here? And part of our burden here as pastors in this message flowing out from this passage is, yes, indeed, you belong here. We are so grateful you are here. Don't keep your distance because of perceived gaps or challenges to your own comfort zone. We want to encourage you to plug in. And for those of us who have been here for many, many years, we want to have arms open wide to embrace new people and folks that are different from us, differently gifted or different in personality or different in social status, different ethnicity, different gifts, and really celebrate that. Not allow it to create division in the church or clicks in the church there shouldn't be there should never be any of that never we should be gathering together around the banner in the name of jesus christ we should be gathering together based off of the fact that we've been baptized in the same spirit into one body the body of christ and really celebrate that you know i was thinking of uh in in first peter chapter two how we were once described as just dead bricks. And now, 1 Peter 2 describes this as now you are living stones. Living stones. Isn't that beautiful? And you're not just living stones living in isolation to shine kind of 
on your own. You're, you're, you're being built together, the apostle Peter talks about, into a spiritual dwelling, a, a glorious temple for the Lord. You're being built together. And this aspect of built together, you see this in, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 16, where the word of God says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, again, this imagery of the body of Christ picked up in another epistle, the Apostle Paul writing about the body, is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, or every ligament, the NIV talks about. When each part is working properly, And again, I love the NIV translation here. As each part does its work, as each part does its work, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See that imagery of we're being built together. We call it the build one another up in love to use our different gifts, our different backgrounds, our, our wisdom and life experience and personalities and social standings and different ethnicities. The church is meant to come all together and the corporate witness of the body of Christ to this world that is so divided along those lines. The world's supposed to be able to look in and see something different in the church. And praise God that that is so often the case. They see our love. They see us wanting to build one another up. But brothers and sisters, we are called to all of us step into this with fresh zeal and fresh passion and to have a vision to be built together and to build one another up in love. You know, this being built together, for Christians in other cultures around the world, it comes more naturally In America, we really are just steeped in individualism. And we have to just recognize that's part of our culture. And so our culture kind of wars against this mentality here of having a vision to not just live my own Christian life unto God with my own personal devotional life and I don't really need to be a part or be built together in the body of Christ. It can kind of wage war against that and we can kind of stand off away from the church and say, you know what, I have no need of you. But brothers and sisters, we are called to be built together to celebrate the diverse unity that we are in the body of Christ. There's a heart here where the Apostle Paul talks about he's so burdened that there would be no divisions. And that in the midst of this, in verse 26, he says in 25, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Isn't that beautiful? The members would have the same care for one another. I love that, brothers and sisters. I'm so excited for Ben next week. He's going to be preaching a message on caring for one another's souls and carrying each other's burdens. And I'm really looking forward to Ben's message next week. And But in verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. That's how we're supposed to be. And that's how you are, Christ community. But I think let us grow in this more and more and more. All rejoice together when one member is honored. You know, that can be a challenge, can't it? I've, I've been in church long enough and throughout my life to where there's times when I do something and maybe someone else does the same thing and 
someone else is honored and I'm not. And what's my reaction in moments like that? Do I rejoice as another member is honored? Or do I tend to burn with jealousy over those who are being honored? There's, we're all kinds of fruits of the flesh kind of wage against this spirit you see here in 1 Corinthians 12. But we are called to manifest the fruits of the spirit in the midst of even as we enter into the body of Christ. We are called to to suffer together. When we see one of our brothers and sisters hurting, our heart is supposed to go out to them and to draw near to them. And I was, I was thinking about this in relation to the, the tendency. And I want to ask us, is your tendency to judge people or is your tendency to accept, embrace, and welcome people into your life? It cuts into all of us. I, I, I was mentioning earlier that we can tend to want to gather a small, comfortable circle of relationships that we feel comfortable with. But here you see that there's this mentality, almost this, no, there's this ever-increasing circle of acquaintances, this ever-increasing group of people who are new in my life, who have spiritual gifts that I don't have, and I can't say I have no need of these folks, or I don't need these people. All I need is is, is those who I have around me who I'm most comfortable with. And, and a life can develop into one that is a very insular life, brothers and sisters. One that becomes very small, a very small world. What we're meant for all of us, regardless of personality, is to have a very large world of welcoming individuals into our life, having time for individuals, making time for individuals, treasuring the different spiritual gifts that they have, treasuring their difference in personality and social standing, ethnicity, and and they may be more gifted than you spiritually. Not looking at that as a threat, but rather celebrating that in love. Another brother might be gifted with ten talents of gifting in an area, and I might have... Only two. But if I'm caught up and consumed with the fact that I have been baptized in the same spirit as that brother, I'm going to embrace that brother. If that's my focal point, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to rejoice as God's using him and his gifting or her and her gifting. I'm going to rejoice and celebrate that because we are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. But what can often happen is that we contend toward envy, we contend toward jealousy, we contend toward, as the Corinthians were, maybe not envy or jealousy, but we tend to view ourselves as higher than everybody. And so superiority, which also creates division. So if it's more of a superiority mindset, I'm better than these people, that alienates. But then on the other side, if you kind of are made to feel from somebody that you're inferior, we can judge them back and we can start to say, you know what, fine. And we can't be that way. That, that's the work of the flesh. That's the fruits of the flesh. We must be different. We must celebrate the diverse unity of the body of Christ and the, the wonderful difference in spiritual gifts and come together and celebrate differences of opinion and, and recognize, and listen, our unity is not around our differences in things like secondary or tertiary matters. We are celebrating being baptized in the same spirit. We are celebrating that we are one in Christ Jesus and have been united to Christ in the same body. And that is going to be the focal point of our fellowship.
I was uh, listening to a story by Mark Dever, who's a senior pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist Church, and uh, many resources from his ministry, Nine Marks, have been a real blessing to Ben, John, and I, to many of you in the church. And he was telling a story in a message I was listening to recently, where down in Capitol Hill, down in Washington, D.C., where their church is, they have all kinds of different people in their church, you know, just many different ethnicities and many different individuals who work on the hill. And in fact, he was describing uh, one of their care groups. This was fascinating to me. One of their care groups, I think there was somebody a number of years ago, this is kind of going a few years back for him. He was talking about how one of the heads of the, uh, I don't know if it was actually the campaign manager of the Republican Party of that time, was gathered together in the same small group with a, a higher up, or maybe even the campaign manager of the Democratic Party in the same care group, in the same church. And they would come together, and Mark was talking about how they were able to have sweet, harmonious fellowship. Because they so focused on their unity and their oneness in Jesus Christ, and the fact that they, as 1 Corinthians 12 speaks of here, have been baptized in the same spirit into one body, that they loved one another. And I'm sure they would talk about different perspectives and political opinions and things. And it's okay for us to have those things. But brothers and sisters, yes, those things matter. And yes, it's okay to talk about them and have an interest in them. There's nothing wrong about that. In fact, it's important for us to be involved in thinking about just the political lay of the land and to have perspectives on politics. But brothers and sisters, that is not what we are primarily to be about. That should never be the focal point of our unity or ever anything that divides us. We embrace and welcome any brother or sister who has trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the dividing line is over matters of primary doctrine. Do they believe in the Trinity? Do they believe in the deity of Christ? Issues that if they don't believe in those things in accordance with God's Word, Scripture makes very clear that it separates somebody from being a believer or being an unbeliever. And so even there, we would seek to persuade them to the truth with love and graciousness in our heart. And if they didn't embrace that, yeah, you you can't have fellowship with that individual. You can't call them a brother. You can't call them a sister. But anybody who we can call a brother, anybody who we can call a sister, we should be able to embrace and fellowship regardless of different perspectives on on minor issues. And I think that there's a tendency in the church, we've all seen it, haven't we, where even many born-again Christians major on minor issues and they divide over things that they should not divide in. It's so interesting that even this doctrine of baptism in the Holy Spirit, which here in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 is talking about that this is synonymous really with salvation, that we've been baptized into one body or we're saved through the power of the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Spirit, into one body. And even the phraseology of what one believes the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. Rather than it being a rallying cry for all of us celebrating the common salvation that we have in Christ, even there many believers will divide over that phraseology. So sad, yet so common. We believe here that every true Christian has been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and there might be some variants of opinion on that in the church, and that's fine. But baptism in the Holy Spirit here in this passage is talking about being baptized into one body. All true believers are baptized in the Spirit 
into one body. Now, where there is a distinction is that not all true Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit to the same degree. There's the variance. But even where somebody has minor differences in opinion on something like that, it should never be a cause of division within the church. And the Corinthians were allowing things like that to become a division. The superiority mindset of, hey, I speak in tongues, but you don't. Superiority over taking pride in spiritual gifts, which are gifts and should never be taken pride in or owned unto ourselves, but to be rather used to give glory to God and to praise Him that He uses us at all. Oh, brothers and sisters, I'm inspired by that story of the the Republican leader and the Democratic leader being able to be in the same church and really fellowship together. And let us be inspired by that. And let us have the same kind of heart to represent the diverse unity here. And let us never make it the case that we gather together or that we polarize one another with our opinions on those kinds of things. So much so that someone actually feels a distance from us because they see or recognize that we're passionate about some perspective or opinion. And therefore we can't have now fellowship with that individual. It's okay to talk about things, but we always need to make sure that our unity is fought for by one another. I have a right to share my perspectives and opinions on things, but I'll tell you this, brothers and sisters, if I have a perspective or an opinion that I really want to share, (laughs) I mean, I really want to, right? I need to not just say, I've got a right to share this opinion. And then share it. We've got to ask another question. Could this potentially stumble a brother or a sister in Christ and hurt their spirit? Could it? Could it potentially do that? And if I can honestly say, you know what, I wonder, I I think it might. I don't have a right to just share whatever I want to share and blow up unity between me and another brother over something that ultimately and eternally does not matter. Let us not be known, Christ Community Church, by being arrogant opinion givers about things that ultimately don't matter. Let us be known for our love for Jesus Christ and our passionate expression of, oh Lord, I've been baptized into one spirit with this brother or sister. And even though they have differences of opinion on something that's secondary, I don't care. Come here. I'm going to give you a big hug. I'm going to keep loving you. Keep fellowshipping with you because the focal point of our unity is not on those other things that are more minor, but on Christ and the fact that we've been baptized in the same spirit into one body together and not over the fact that you're a Jew and I'm a Gentile or the fact that you're rich and I'm poor. No, all of those dividing walls of hostility. John was mentioning this in our elders meeting this past week. The dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile has been brought down. And now we're together. Now we are one in Christ Jesus. And may we be a local expression of that, even as the Lord is building that together worldwide through the broad body of Jesus Christ. So grateful for the way that God's doing that in our midst. Are you known more for judging people And distancing yourself from people? Or are you known as somebody who accepts people 
embraces people and welcomes people into your life. Christ community, all of us need to step into this. Whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, regardless of any of those types of things, we need to all of us embrace one another. Because if we can all be this way as a local church, we are going to glorify and please our God. And that's what it's all about. Point two. We need you. You need us. We need you. You need us. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I'm really affected as well with in relation to this point. Verse 17, look at that, brothers and sisters. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Aren't you so glad we're not all the same? And we don't all have the same spiritual gifts. The way the Corinthians were trying to make the church like that. Aren't you so glad that God's done it exactly as He's done it? And that we're different, and we have different gifts, and we all bring that into the, the, this local expression of the body of Christ called Christ Community Church. And we, we celebrate the gifts of others and not just our own. And we have a mentality here of we really need you. And you need us. There's a tendency in us. Again, I think part of our culture, especially in America, is that we are self-sufficient people. Very easily, we can adopt an attitude or a mindset of, I don't need you. (laughs) I don't need the church. And we've just got to be honest and reckon with that. That that's there. That's just part, that's the air we breathe. That's what our culture celebrates. So this culture here in God's word is a different culture. It's one of mutual interdependence. It's one of, I can't exist without you. I can't hear. If I'm an I, I can't hear unless I've got you interconnected with me in my life. I, I can't exist. I can't just exist in isolation and to embrace that so much in terms of conviction that we back it up with commitment and action and fellowship. A mentality of, we need you. I need you, and you need me. We need you, and you need us. That type of mentality, combined with celebrating the diverse unity, will cause us, brothers and sisters, to push in toward one another, to not only welcome those who are newer, but for those who have been here throughout the years, we we stay close, we stay bonded, we stay tight with one another, and we, we recognize, you know what? I want to play my part with these brothers and sisters in Christ. We need your gifts. We need you to play your part. We need you to step up into what God has called you to do. I'm excited heading into the new year after we kind of get through this fellowship focus and 
really uh, establishing our small groups the way we've been looking at over the last number of weeks. As we were talking about, we're going to seek to have our care groups in our church kind of get to a maximum of 12 to 15 people to keep the fellowship tight, close, and deep in an ever and ongoing way in our church. Our groups were starting to get so big that they were turning into churches, and not small groups. And so we're trying to galvanize that. And yet I want to let you know, brothers and sisters, and be assured, rest assured, we will do that with pastoral sensitivity and tenderness. We want to do that slowly and gradually and not abruptly and and have people feel destabilized in their current relationships. So we're going to need your wisdom on how to do that well, but we're going to do it together and we're excited about it. One of the other things I'm excited about is heading into the new year and heading into 2017. This has been a real burden. I'm so grateful for Ben's really had, but John and I share this conviction with passion. We want to, we want to establish a diaconate and deacon serving in our church. And I'm excited for Ben to kind of run point on that and to help our church have a, a, a group of deacons together. And we've got, as Ben mentioned earlier ago, we have a number of guys who are, are, are desirous for pastoral ministry and wondering what God might have in their future. And we're excited for our eldership to grow and deepen as time goes on here. We, we, we celebrate and need plurality of leadership in this church. We want to have not just a couple people leading the church and everybody else called to follow. No, we want to have, and we've always had a real heart for a plurality of leadership and the wisdom of many brothers and sisters in the church and the congregation, the gifts and the wisdom within the congregation, helping the elders and the deacons to govern and lead the church well, to give wisdom and advice so that the elders can lead the church well. It's so huge, and I'm excited about how that's going to happen heading into the new year after we get our care groups retooled and established and 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 that they're steady and strong. So we're going to need new ministry team leaders. Ben was just talking to us this past week, and guys, pray about this. It's primarily a guy thing, but ladies, you can serve in this as well. But we're going to, we need more setup, guys. There's a relatively a few men who are really heroes. We're sitting in chairs right now because of them. Men and women who serve in this way. They come in early. It represents really driving in separate from the rest of your family sometimes. And that can be a sticking point. But we want it to be to where it's not just a few people carrying the heavy loads, but that we're all sharing that together. And one of the areas is we'd like to ask you to pray about it, guys, to step up into the setup team and the setup and teardown crew, but particularly setup. So if you're interested in that, please talk with Ben Ross. I think there's a sign-up sheet in the back and we're grateful for you praying about that. But it's not just about those who would serve as elders or deacons or in certain ministry team leader type roles. All the gifts within the body of Christ are needed and are necessary. We need to say of everybody, I have need of you. I was uh, affected by when I was uh, overseeing for Sovereign Grace, the Indiana, Pennsylvania church, uh, Mark Altrogi, a dear friend, um, his dad, J.J. Altrogi, um, Mark's dad, is an older man. And uh, he's he's a faithful, just member in the church, a very quiet guy. One of the things he was gifted with was he could he could draw and he could paint. And one of the things that JJ just had a burden for, he's like, oh man, I want I want a database of everybody in the church and their addresses, the not just the men and the women, but the kids as well. I want to I want to hand sketch 
birthday cards for people and then paint them and then send them out to people during the week. And so he did that and faithfully for many years, he, he had a little ministry within the local church where he would just each week, he'd get a list of four or five names of people who had birthdays that week. And he would sketch little hand sketched birthday cards and, and, and he would paint those cards and send them with love and send them with prayers. And brothers and sisters, it became a phenomenon in that church. Everybody was waiting on birthday to get JJ's cards. Damien and I know that because Damien and his family go to that church. And it's just been so wonderful just to see the way God uses gifts. JJ passed on to be with the Lord Jesus. And he's in heaven now a couple years ago. And the whole church wept. And grieved. And I was just thinking of him this week. He's just made such a mark. I don't even really know him. I know Mark. But the difference you can make here in our church family. We want to see your gifts fanned into flame. It might not look the way it looks in somebody else. But you have gifts. You have talents. You have abilities. We want to see God use you. We want to see you deployed. For the glory of God. And I'm excited. We're excited about that. Dream dreams of how God wants to use you in our midst. And we're excited about that. And finally, you belong here. You belong here. I was reflecting on verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong To the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye. Look at this language. I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. There can be a struggle latent within all of us where we are gauging whether or not we belong here. Some of you may be tempted to think, I don't belong here. I don't know if I could be accepted here. These people seem different from me. Or, you know, I have so many struggles and battles with sin. And these people here, maybe you're tempted to think these people have it all put together. Please, let me break that wall down right here. We don't have it all together. We are so in the same fight with you, all of us. Every single man, woman, and child. We are not a perfect church. We are filled with saved sinners who love Jesus. And we are not a perfect church body. Anybody who's been here for many years or even for a few weeks knows that. But listen, it's a beautiful church body. I love our church. I love what God's doing in our church. And I'm so thankful for the way that God has moved in our midst. And we want those of you, especially you who are newer, to know this. You belong here. We welcome you. We accept you. We're excited about you being here with us. And for those of you who have been here for a very long time... We need you. There's still a race to run all the way to the finish line together. And I'm so thankful. I was thinking about our church when we first uh, first were planted. We're going to be celebrating our 15-year anniversary in November, as we mentioned a moment ago. But it started out with 13 adults and 9 children sent out from our sister church in Sovereign Grace from uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, now the Marlton Church in New Jersey. So grateful for the Dragos and the Englands. I was talking with my girls this morning about Emily and Megan England, who were about the age of a couple of my daughters right now, who left an established youth ministry to come where there was no youth ministry in order that we all might be enjoying what we're enjoying here today. These young ladies are worthy of our honor. So thankful 
for Charlie and Lisa Happ and the part that they have played to build this church. It'll never be forgotten. So grateful. So grateful for the Madisons. So grateful for the Shells. So grateful for Nathaniel and Jeremiah. So grateful for Andrew and David Shell. This church is what it is because of the sacrifices. The only reason I didn't mention John, John, is he wasn't born yet. My little baby girl, Ashlyn, was three months old when we started. So grateful for my wifey, my Shannon, my Ashlyn. So thankful for Bonnie Kundrat. So thankful for Daphne Merritt. God did something so precious. And now Daphne's with the Lord. And it just, through the years, it just becomes deeper and sweeter and more and more precious to me what God built in those early days. And we celebrate the early days. For those of you who came within that next year, in between the beginning and into year two, would you lift your hand right now? You absolutely were formative. Look at you all. You're still here. My gosh. How about in the first five, if you can kind of ballpark it? Who came within the first five? These guys laid the foundations here. And for the rest of us, can we thank God for all of these servants in our midst? You are and have been what the Bible talks about here. Look at verse 22. I love this word. On the contrary, the parts of the body that might seem to be weaker are indispensable. I love that word, indispensable. Not only do you belong here, you're indispensable. We can't accomplish what God has for us as a local church to accomplish without you. Your gifts. Your contribution. And we want you to go all in with us to, to build this local church for the glory of God. I thank God for the church planning team and for those who came within the first year and for the first, the ones who came in the first five and then five to ten. Thank you. Ten to fifteen. Thank you. Your first Sunday. Thank you. We need you just as much as we need everybody else here. Let this be your church home. It's an awesome church body. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the senior pastor. I know I could be a little biased. This is an awesome church. I love it. You sadly, many pastors don't feel that way about their church. I do. Ben does. John does. We're blown away by the blessing that we have in our lives. I would not be the husband, the father, the Christian that I am without you. You are indispensable. I need you. You need me. We need to rally around one another in this troubled world that in the midst of the growing darkness and the tribulations that are coming upon us, brothers and sisters, we need to band together. That's what this whole series has been about. We need to band together in bonds of love. We need to shed the differences and the things that divide us and celebrate that which unites us, which is the precious Spirit of God who's baptized us in the Spirit in one body and focus on Christ who is the head and rally around Christ and worship Him and celebrate Him and gather around Him to exalt Him, to proclaim Him, to enjoy Him together, to worship Him. You belong here. We are so grateful for you. And now we get to celebrate communion and remember Jesus Christ. And so, those of you who are handing out the elements for communion. Would you please begin to do that at this time? For the rest of us, let us remember Christ. That's what communion's all about. The bread and the cup remind us of Jesus Christ. Let us remember Him at this time. Let's spend a few moments reflecting. And as the ushers hand out the 
communion elements, let us remember what He's done for us together. And Tom, if, if you and the worship team uh, could join us here, we're going to close, if you guys are okay with it, with Happy Day. This is worthy of celebration. Christ has washed our sin away. Listen to this illustration. At a meeting of the American Psychological Associates, Jack Lipton, a psychologist at Union College, and R. Scott Bullion, a graduate student at Columbia University, presented their findings on how members of the various sections of 11 major symphony orchestra perceived each other. The percussionists were viewed as insensitive, (laughs) unintelligent, and hard of hearing, probably from crashing the cymbals, and yet fun-loving. String players were seen as arrogant, stuffy, and unathletic. The orchestra members overwhelmingly chose loud as the primary adjective to describe the brass players. Woodwind players seem to be held in the highest esteem, described as quiet and meticulous, though a bit egotistical. Interesting findings, to say the least. With such widely divergent personalities and perceptions, how could an orchestra ever come together to make such wonderful music? The answer is simple. Regardless of how those musicians view each other, they subordinate their feelings and their biases to the leadership of the conductor. Under his guidance, they play beautiful music together. Oh, Christ community, there's such a burden on my heart that we would play beautiful music together. We all have gifts. And we all have abilities to contribute to the beautiful sound. Let us not be divided, but rather let us come together and celebrate that we've been baptized into one spirit, into one body. We have been united together with Christ through faith. We have all been united together into one head. His name is Jesus Christ. So let us together as the individual parts 
praise the wonderful God who saves, who has called us to himself, has reconciled us together with him, and has united us together with Christ so that we are now one body, brought together by one spirit, all because God sent his own son and his body was broken and his blood was shed to save us from our sins. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. Let us remember the broken body of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Let us partake. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And we lift up this cup of salvation this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, because Christ shed his blood for us on the cross, atoning for all of our transgressions and satisfying the wrath of God that once was against us, but now has been satisfied in the sacrifice of Jesus in our place on the cross. Let us remember that perfect sacrifice and that shed blood. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and how beautiful it is to come together to remember what He's done and also the gift of singing to sing about all that He has done for us. It is indeed a happy day that we celebrate. The day that Jesus died on the cross, the day that Jesus rose from the grave, that happy day where our sins have been washed away, our guilt has been atoned for, we have been saved and delivered from the wrath of God. Brothers and sisters, we got cause for rejoicing. we got cause to celebrate. We got cause to gather together and lay down our differences and bind ourselves together with greater and greater cords of love in the Spirit. We have cause to say, oh God, help us to make sweet music together in the symphony of Christ Community Church and to play with all of our hearts our part. Oh, you might be the brass or you might be the woodwinds. I might be the guy in the back who just ding, comes together and plays the chimes. But whatever our gifts... Let us celebrate. One might be a better musician than another, but we come together, baptized in the same spirit into one body. Somebody might have a better voice, but we're going to each each equally sing loud praises to our awesome God who loved us and gave himself for us. Jesus, this is to you because we love you and we're so grateful for all that you've done. Thank you for entering us into this happy day and giving us this cause to celebrate and to sing our great salvation. We love you. Church, let us stand and let us praise him for how awesome he is. Amen.